This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. We were a bit late for Judge Julie today, but we have Bailiff on board, and he talks about blimmin' pre-alerting. It's a mission, but we will try and get through it. And I've got a question for you listeners. Do you actually give a hoot about your opponents coming to the table and telling you what their pre-alerts are? I don't. Do you, Barry? Oh, yeah, I suppose you listen a little bit, but it's if they didn't, you probably wouldn't notice. So you reckon 30 seconds is about it? Ooh, I don't know whether it would go that long. <laughs> what Bailiff was talking about, that each board, instead of seven minutes, you have to do 20. Yeah, how would you feel about playing 20 minutes less bridge just so you could hear the opponents rambling on about their pre-alerts? Oh, no. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> that's what the system card is, but he didn't want to go into that area, did he? <laughs> Okay, now it doesn't work that way. As he said, you, there are pre-alerts are separate to the system card. But anyway, I'm not a director and tell you what, I never will be. <laughs> hey, look, we have a little shout out for our friends down in Wellington. So what they have done is that the event was postponed at the end of June because of the COVID alert 2 change. She's talking about the Wellington regional teams, guys. Mm, the 15A. They've got a new date. Yeah, Merry Christmas. It is the 18th and 19th of December, and our friend Bridget has asked for a little plug. They've been squeezed into a really busy tournament schedule, but if you don't mind a little bit of travel so close to Christmas, head on down to Wellington. I know three people will probably be very keen to get down there on their A's to K, our little three A's. Yeah, I'm sure they will. The lovely Bridget would be delighted to have lots of entries. Might be a bit brave of them to have it so close to Christmas. I really hope it is successful for them. Hey, where's Judge Julie? Judge Julie is in session at the moment. Here's Patrick. Okay, Patrick, we've got an email from one of Judge Julie's fans today asking about Page D59 of the manual, which of course none of us know anything about, under pre-alerts, it refers to opening bids at the four level that need to be pre-alerted. And this person says, as it is written, it seems only to apply to players using precision. Can she please clarify if opening bids at the four level that are not natural preempts, i.e. NAMYATs, need to be alerted either pre or during bidding? Okay, this seems to be a hangover that hasn't been amended. It used to be that you had to pre-alert four-level openings because you couldn't alert them. But the rule changed that you should now alert artificial openings that are higher than three no trumps. You normally don't alert anything higher than three no trumps, but you do alert artificial openings now. That should have changed because you are alerting it in the play. This whole area is a bit tricky because it talks about the start of a match or the start of a round, and while I think most people are pretty good when you play a team's match, that you have a look at your opponent's system before you start, or you at least offer them the opportunity to do that, I think that it's pretty universal 
that nobody seems to do it before the start of a two-board round, which is what the law seems to apply. So the law's been sitting there for quite some time, and nobody's doing it, which makes it really hard for the director to apply it if anything happens. So I actually don't think it's a good rule. That's my own personal opinion. When nobody's doing it, it's like lots of people play unusual doubles over one no Trump, which you can't alert. You know, people who play don't to show that it's a single suitor, or people who play Lionel to show where double shows spades in another. I play a method called crowbar where double shows hearts in another. None of those people can alert the double when it comes up because it just seems so damn stupid. Before you start every two boards, you say, oh, then if you open one no Trump and we double, it will show. I mean, no one's interested in wasting that much time mm. at the start of every two board round. So nobody's doing it. So this whole area needs to be looked at simply because while there's a rule there, people aren't doing it. And I can tell you that rule's been there since about 2001. So you'd think it would be about time someone reviewed this and said, uh, before we play two boards in a pairs event, do we want to insist that all the players have a chat about what they play? And since that will take about 60 to 90 seconds, do we therefore want to play only 20 boards in an evening session or 21 boards? Because 60 to 90 seconds before every two boards... Yes, certainly not going to play as many boards as you normally do. Hey, <laughs> there's an issue with this whole rule. Be an um, added attraction to the game if we said yes, and we'll, you know, we'll have 20 minutes of pre-alerts. And yes, <laughs> I know. It's a tricky old situation. It's an excellent rule for teams. Yes. The idea that you're going to do it before pairs, I know when they brought it in, because when they brought it in, I looked at that bit about, about the pre-alerts, particularly of those, and I said you're not going to do this, mm-hmm. announced that at the start of the Babbage pairs we have at the start of the year in 2001, when this first made the manual about pre-alerting, and I said, this is the rule. This is what you're now supposed to do, and people did not believe me. Oh. Yeah, they said, nah, no, that can't be right. And I said, that's <laughs> what it is. And 20 years later, nobody's bothered to change it. But people still aren't doing it, so people haven't been doing it before the start of a two-board round for 20 years, and nobody's bothered to change the rule. Oh, my Now, a great rule for teams. Absolutely agree. You should have a chat before teams. For 20 years, people haven't been doing it before two-board rounds, so there's a good question as to whether it should be there. And the second question is, let's say something comes up whereby someone says, oh... I played this person to have a 17 count when they open one spade. I thought they might have this extra queen as well. And I've just discovered that they play 11 to 15 openers for one spade. And I would have counted them out much better. I made my contract because I'd have played as partner for this missing queen. They didn't pre-alert me properly at the start of the round. Now, I have never heard of a director making an adjustment in such a circumstance. In fact, I actually haven't had anyone complain to me in that circumstance but you see it's interesting the rules there and someone could make that claim gosh the opponents didn't pre-alert me properly and now I've misplayed the hand because I played them to hold something that they couldn't have Uh, would do you as a director adjust that I mean that would be a very difficult position to be put in to say this person who doesn't do what every single other person also doesn't do (laughs) didn't pre-alert before the start of a two-board round, 
and that seems to have disadvantaged the opponent who made a decision in the play without asking a question, which you're allowed to in the, in the play. Let's say this person could have, in the middle of the play, just checked before they made a decision about this and said, oh, you're one spade opening for minimum length and, and how many high cap points. Could have done that, but instead chose to rely on not being pre-alerted at the start. And interestingly, uh, if you were to go there, you'd say, well, everybody should pre-alert because if you play Akol with a five-card spade suit, it says that's an example of a pre-alert. Do, you, do the people with Echo, who play Echo with a five-card <laughs> no. spade suit? You, no. you don't, do you? Right. <laughs> no. I mean, so just the fact that it's not there is interesting. Yeah. Oh question is that well, there, there was no pre-alert, so you didn't make it in, any inquiry as to why they didn't pre-alert. There you go, Mariana. So you, you always thought that directors had such an easy life, didn't you? Well, yeah. I know. There's I think the only something way... I would like to get rid of for, for, for pairs, but, yeah. but I, I mean, I don't actually have to because everyone's ignoring them. You know? Well, I mean, the only way, Patrick, there. that they're going to have to get through that is you're going to have to allow 15 minutes per board because by the time they get there and are still <laughs> whopping on about the board that they've just played and then say hello and then think, oh, shit, I've left my pen or my pencil at the other table, got up, and then go through all your bloody pre-alerts. You'd yes, be able to, like, east-west move, please. <laughs> that's why people aren't doing it, because yep. they just don't want it. You'd think that somewhere in the last 20 years, someone would have said, people aren't doing this, so let's take the rule away, rather than, we're going to leave it there, because we can't be bothered changing it. And we have more to add on that subject with Bailiff, and that's going to be aired on next week's show. Don't forget our Bridge Zone email is bridgezoneshuffle at gmail.com. It's getting a bit of traffic. Yeah, had, Very a bit good. Of, had a bit of a funny one from your, your housemates at Congress, from Mark Gartner, who has forwarded me this as by way of proof that this is really true. We were asking about commitment to Bridge. <laughs> yes. How committed are you? Well, listen to this. So apparently... The patient came to CDU at 4.30pm and then left to play in a bridge tournament, lost the tournament and returned to CDU. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. That is commitment. Well done, Mark. (laughs) Pity the results at the bridge hadn't been so good. Yeah, and I hope you're feeling a bit better. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond. Manamana. 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 What's this? It's Kermit's Bridge Tips with Pam Livingston. Good morning, Kermit. Good morning to you. What have you got for us this morning? We had a bit of a preview last week about this week's tip as it was became a topic of conversation. And my tip this week is false carding. Who are you fooling? When we're descending, we're trying hard to communicate with our partner with the cards that we play. And we play various signals. And it's to help partner out. Now, the clearer can see all their side's cards, but the defenders are trying to communicate with each other. And think of it this way. If you can see the half the pack, your hand and dummies, and partner says they don't have a certain card, so say they indicate to you that they don't have the king of hearts, and you can't see it, then it must be in the clearer's hand. And defenders are working hard to try and place cards in defenders' hands. So if you give your partner false information, it starts to make it very difficult. So your poor partner is trying very hard 
to place cards in the carer's hand and follow your signals and try and work out the shape of the hand and that kind of thing. If they now have to try and work out whether you're false carding, it all becomes a bit too hard. And you may get a good board from fooling the clearer once, and that's very gratifying. We all know that. It's very gratifying when you, when you can fool someone to make a wrong move. But at what cost? So next time your partner's in this situation, they'll now start thinking, oh, hang on a minute. Last time this happened, the partner wasn't telling the truth. Are they telling the truth this time? So the cost-benefit analysis might say that it worked that one instance, but it's going to cost you in other instances because partner won't believe you. It's a slippery slope that I you're on. I think so. <laughs> because it is partnership. It's not two people playing solo, and you've got to build up the trust. Occasionally, and you probably don't want me to tell the story because it's against your tip. Occasionally, you hold all the cards for your side when you're defending, and you can yep. t- tell that pretty early sometimes. It's rare though; that doesn't happen very often, does it? But no. Occasionally, and in those sorts of situations, sometimes you can false card, but that is so unusual. I think the tip was, "Who are you fooling?" And if you can be absolutely sure that you're not fooling partner then that's kind of okay. That's one in a hundred, or maybe even less. When two experts are playing, they can often recognise a situation where their partner might false card. There'd be certain standard-ish things where their partner might false card, but generally I think you stay out of trouble much, much more if you just try and help each other truthfully. I'm going to tell you something funny along those lines. I was playing with Mike Curry, and I think it was just on a club night or something. No, no, it might have been in the tournament. And anyway, he didn't double a transfer, so I didn't lead that suit. They'd been two diamonds transferred to hearts, and I didn't lead that suit. Anyway, at the end of it, because we don't mind what we say to each other, probably doesn't sound very good sometimes, (laughs) I said, well, I would have led one of you to double it. And he said, what, do I have to spoon feed you? (laughs) And I said, yes, that's exactly what I want. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, spoon feeding partner is great. I think you should make very clear signals to partner. So I don't agree with you about doubling every transfer just because you hold a card in that suit. Oh either. no, no, no! It was a, it was a bit better than that. I had a choice of leads too, and I, I and the information I had was that. Well, partner hadn't doubled the trends. You know, I mean, I know that's not guaranteed, but when you're making a decision as to what you're going to lead, you've sort of got to. You've got to use what information you've got, don't you? A leap, uh, very hard to make, and I tend to think that you just gather the information that you have and your lead may be successful or unsuccessful. I try to think less in terms of right and wrong because it often isn't clear-cut. The more information you have, the better to make a successful lead. Yeah. how I to think of it my old age. <laughs> well, Mike and I had a bit of a laugh after it afterwards, but that she was when he said, "Do I have to spoon feed you?" and I said, "Yes." Oh my goodness! I think it's a, a great comment. idea. To, yeah, I think it's a great idea to spoon feed partner. <laughs> That's right. They probably. For problem. instance. Whatever signal you play, attitude or count, you've got the choice of playing a card which is the six or the high card which is the nine, and it's not going to cost in other terms 
Make it nice and clear. Yeah, absolutely, Play I agree. The nine. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. The nine every time. I'll, I've spent half yeah. my life looking at those bloody sixes, thinking, "Is <laughs> it I or is it no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can make a song up. <laughs> Don't spoon feed your partner. Is it? Hey, I? that could be a, Is it that no? could, that could be a competition for the bridge show. Oh, Coming yes. up with a song. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. Catch Kermit next week for another tip. See you. Anyway, went over to the Fullerton on the weekend. Here we go, yep. So the winners were Kate Davies and John Patterson, John Luoni and Johnny Davidson. I saw that, yeah. all the Jays and Kate. They had a horrendous start, apparently, in the first match where the Yule team beat them up big time. Right. But they managed to get up and win in the last round. I know. And you did well? Yeah, well. First a, loser? A bit annoying. Oh, <laughs> Right till the last. That's what Pam says. Concentrate right to that last board. Yes, they led to the last round, guys, and then lost by a bit over a 1VP. So there you go. As you can imagine, there were lots of ways we could have picked that up. And what about the three little aces? Gosh, they... uh, None of them, I don't think, figured in the top half of the field. They didn't have such a great weekend. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, so. I guess Blair could be slightly happy with that. Uh, no, I don't think any of them got many A points at all. They didn't actually get into the overall A points, so I did notice that. And they would have got a few partial A points for yep. a few wins. Maybe Blair got one and a half and they got one or something along those right. lines. I didn't actually check, I have to admit. Okay. Enjoyable day? Oh, look, it was a, such a well-run event. It really was. Um, and the club room was packed the club was delighted with the turnout I mean it was a actually I think they announced at the beginning Murray Fitzsimons was standing in for the president she said she said it was a star-studded field and they were delighted to have it so um, yeah it was there was it was full of um, internationals and the like very Very good good. she also told a little story about the Fullerton teams and she is going to email me the details Mariana I can't remember all the details I think it was something to do with a principal whose name was Fullerton at a school back in the day Memories a bit hazy. That's I can't good. remember exactly what I was what wondering you if you had actually had a go at your little assignment that I gave you. <laughs> I did. There you go. So I've given her my card and she's going to email me the details. So don't nice. forget, Murray, if you're listening, I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to head off and talk to the gatekeeper of our Congress. I'm all entered, all done. My book is full. Oh, that's great. You were hovering around deciding who to play yep. with what. And yep. yeah, the only thing that you'd decided is that you were sleeping with the hangartners. Oh, sorry, I didn't quite mean that. <laughs> whining and dining Whining and dining and, and living with the hangartners <laughs> over Congress. Good afternoon, Richard. Hello, Barry. Hello, Barry Alma. Hi, Richard. Thanks for coming on to give us a bit of an update on what's happening on this year's Congress. Well, the news is pretty good as far as New Zealanders go. Anyway, we've got quite a lot of entries, uh, especially from our intermediate and junior players. We've got as many entries from them as we had in 2019, which was the last time we had a Congress. For those particular events, we're certainly going to be full on the Thursday and the Friday and the Saturday. So we're going to be buzzing. We're hoping that there'll be a few more open players entering. We are not going to have Australians this time. That will mean we're a little bit down on entries for New Zealand pairs and New Zealand teams. Overall, entries are good. 
So those intermediates and below the numbers are already equal now, and we've still got, what, six or so weeks to go. Yep. So you'd be expecting more or hoping for more. Well, we're hoping for more. I think regrading of some players back into intermediate has probably helped that. Those players are able to now play in the intermediate events. So maybe that's affected the open entry a little bit. Yeah, not so much. The restricted open, which is the pairs and the teams, the entries are reasonably good there. It's just perhaps the Australians obviously missing. Plus, uh, we traditionally have a lot of entries in the last two weeks of August. We're hoping that will be the case still. We offer a 10% discount if you pay before the end of August. We're hoping that there are some more people to enter and pay. Okay, sounds good. What else have you got organised? I hear through the rumour mill that there might be a few special guests there, Richard. Special guests in the form of speakers. One of them is your own permit, who is going to be one of our speakers, we hope. Well, she's famous, of course. Yeah. (laughs) She is. Um, Her name and her photo is popping up all over the place. Those three talks, they're going to be on the Tuesday morning, the Thursday morning and the Friday morning. You have to get up quite early to go and uh, listen to them because they'll get half past eight uh, before play starts. Kermit's not giving too much away on defence. The other two went a bit aggressively, went a bit passively. And a third one on logical deduction of, in both bidding and play and defence. In other words, not using convention, but just thinking logically. Are we allowed to know who the other two speakers are or is that a secret to Congress? No, we'll make it known. They're both really good speakers, top players, and good teachers as well. Gayo Tislevol and Malcolm Mayer. Excellent. So, Very good. I'm sure they'll be great. We're aiming the at-kitchen open for the first one, perhaps, and then an intermediate junior level for the second and third ones. What sort of, what sort of and cost? what sort of cost? Yeah, go on, we want to know how much, Richard. Just a gold coin. A gold coin? <laughs> Oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, Mariana has a good but supply of those. That's a fantastic product. That, that yeah. is a great deal indeed. I've been to other congresses where it's a bit more costly than that. It's good of them to offer their services. Hmm. For some reason, I thought it was going to be after play. Well, we don't really think that people will be so attentive after play. Right. Um, the, uh, the bar and the other things that... Uh, of course, bar, that's right. Oops. So, so you thought Mariana might be distracted by the bar, is that what you're saying, Richard? I didn't want to name names. <laughs> you're so kind, Mr Gatekeeper. <laughs> oh, they sound fantastic. That's really good. So numbers are up. You've got some exciting new initiatives. It all sounds like it's rolling along. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> you have to be so lucky that we are able to at least plan for our Congress a live Congress. I think the rest of the world is pretty envious of us at the moment and we just got to hope it's a happening thing. We've got this wonderful new venue. We'd love to have a lot of local Monganui Tapuki players come along and experience the National Congress. It will be just a wonderful event for sure. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. we've, We've both got all our accommodation booked. We're entered and everything. We're rearing to go, Richard. And you've even paid. <laughs> That's right, we have. We've taken advantage of the discount. <laughs> okay. okay, Richard, hey, look, thank you for coming on, and perhaps we'll catch up with you um, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, you can give us like, another update. We will do that. Thank well, you very much. very much. And to close the Bridge Zone show this week, we have, courtesy of Coast FM in the Buller area, 
a broadcast from their sports program that is hosted on Saturday and Ray Kurnow regularly sends us up segments. This one is really touching to the Westport Bridge Club members and everybody that has been supporting them. Our heartfelt thanks from the Bridge Zone and everyone else. Have a listen. I think it's a wonderful segment. Saturday Sports Breakfast with Caltech's Westport. Your one stop for everything shop. Oh, a very good morning. Yes, welcome along to the Celtics West Sports Saturday Morning Sports Breakfast Show. Slightly better weekend this weekend than uh, last weekend, but hey, we'll take what we get. And unfortunately, we copped it here on our best coast, some worse than others. And hey, hope all you listeners out there are starting to recover and onward and upward. Well, one person who is onward and upward, a very busy man from the world of bridge. Good morning, Ray Kurnow. Good morning, Barry, Lynn, and all the listeners. And yes, I certainly concur with those remarks. We've been through a tumultuous time, haven't we? We're on the way back. On the way back. Hey, the world of bridge. Uh, good to see some headlines in the uh, the Westport paper last night. Bridge play resumes. Well, yes. I dare say it didn't actually stop in some households. In some households, it certainly would have continued. And of course, people still had access to online bridge. Uh, we know that people were and still are hanging out for the resumption of normal bridge and to a certain extent we got that back underway on Thursday evening this week but next week pretty well everything back to I'd use the word normal that's a relative term nowadays isn't it thing was though your bridge club was actually out of action wasn't it had been commandeered by civil defence commandeered is one way of describing it but of course we were very very happy for that to happen we do have very good facility and we acknowledge that it's an important facility in terms of you know the infrastructure of our town so more than happy to give up our club rooms in these exceptional times all right and of course while all that was going on you had the uh the thoughts and best wishes of bridge clubs right throughout New Zealand, I see it come to your aid. Yes, yes. Look, this has been absolutely phenomenal, Barry. And we've got support coming in from clubs throughout New Zealand, making donations mm. to our clubs so that we can look after the, the welfare of our members and also the wider welfare of the Buller community. At this stage, Barry, I'm not even going to try and name the clubs because no, no. we've got new communications coming in almost by the hour, from clubs all over New Zealand. They're either making donations out of their existing funds or they've been holding special events to raise money for uh, the Westport Bridge Club. And, you know, it's actually quite a mm. humbling experience, really, to have this uh, kind of support. But I think it's also indicative of the fact that the New Zealand Bridge community is quite close-knit. People tend to know each other. We move around the country uh, meeting each other, playing in tournaments and that sort of thing. And when one club is uh, affected or one community is affected in this way, the rest of the bridge fraternity come to its assistance. And then I've got to say, we in Westport, we made a generous contribution to the Kaikoura Club after mm. the earthquake there a few years ago. So, uh, what goes around comes around, but as I said, Barry, very humbling for us. But, of course, we... Uh, accept these donations gratefully because we do have members uh, in our club who have been displaced from their homes. We don't know when those people are going to, if ever, going to be able to move back into their homes. Uh, other people still at home but they've uh, suffered uh, well. damage in mm. various ways. So this money that's coming into us will be put to very good use. Happy bridging to everybody and we'll see you at the tables. New Zealand Bridge, sponsoring Bridge from beginner to international, nationwide. 
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.